Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock sitting outside the Browns facility here. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. Uh, we're going to keep this one a little bit brief here. We'll come back Friday with a full preview pod that'll have Lance Reisland and Tyler Shoemaker and our picks, which who knows how we're going to pick this game again. Uh, because, of course, today Deshaun Watson and Mary Kay did not participate in practice. It was sort of the buzz of this whole week. Like, it was kind of, it's kind of funny. Like, I saw somebody jokingly tweet, this was the most important practice in Browns history, the most important Wednesday practice in Browns history. I mean, just to set up the vibe, it did kind of feel like that, right? Because we weren't sure if we were going to just not know until we showed up at practice. Now, Kevin Stefanski kind of spoiled it for us, but there was a chance where we were walking out to practice having no idea what we were going to see today from Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and it was a huge day to come out here and see, is he going to be able to practice for the first day of preparation in earnest for the 5-0 and San Francisco 49ers? I mean, my goodness, you just don't really want to have to start P.J. Walker against the 49ers. Uh, but that is the position that the Browns are in right now. I was surprised. I was actually surprised that he wasn't out there again today. I don't know why I keep being surprised about everything, but I was surprised that he wasn't outside on Monday. I thought he was going to heal up nicely over the bye and get out there on Monday. And then I was surprised again today when I got out there and saw that Deshaun Watson wasn't at least limited, wasn't at least out there standing behind these guys taking mental reps. I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of weird. That says to me that this is not trending in the right direction and that perhaps he's not starting against the 49ers on Sunday, which, I mean, that's going to be a tough, tough gig. But if that's how it goes for for P.J. Walker, it's going to be a long afternoon for the Cleveland Browns, I think. I was, I mean, I was surprised, too. I mean, just just before we... we get to the next point I wanted to make. I mean, Ashley, were you surprised? Yeah. Are you in the the club with us? Yeah, and I mean, I think, too, because before that Ravens game, like, he was still out there. Like, we weren't seeing him throwing, but he was still out there. So, you know, who knows what kind of treatment or rehab plan they have him on that would require him to be inside. But, yeah, I mean, my first thought is this definitely doesn't feel like it's trending in the right direction for him to play a football game against one of the best pass rushing teams in the NFL in, what, four days now? Um, So I think it's definitely concerning, and it was surprising, especially given, like, 
everything we talked about before the Ravens game, right? Like, this is the guy who drove a bus to a game to play with a punctured lung. This is a guy who played on a torn ACL in college. Like, it's, I think that that mystery that we talked about on yesterday's pod, too, like, that just still feels like it's there. I'm laughing because you said he drove the bus. I'm picturing, <laughs> I'm picturing Dan back driving the bus oh, no. at, at Kent State Did University. I say he drove the bus. He took a bus. He drove in a bus. <laughs> this is off the rails. Well, you know, I do. I will say, I was actually co-workers with James Harrison, who was a bus driver at oh, Kent State. No, I did not know that. For like for a very short time, he was a wow. bus driver at Kent State. When I, I, we both kind of started around the same time. Did he train you? Did he no. tackle? Did he tackle you? No, oh. no. He never tackled you. You know how you can tell is I'm still here. <laughs> but he was like working a job before his like Kent State. I don't remember the whole timeline of how he ended up on the football team and on. But he was a bus driver. Wow. So. Good for him. So maybe Deshaun did drive Maybe the Deshaun bus. did drive the bus by himself. <laughs> I meant drove in a bus. Folks, full transparency. I am like mid-writing a feature for, what's tomorrow? Thursday? For Thursday morning. So I'm very much like in feature brain and thinking of all my quotes. So yes, he drove in a bus. Maybe Dan drove the bus with him. Maybe they took shifts driving. Maybe James Harrison drove maybe him. Maybe James Harrison from drove From Houston him. to Jacksonville. Just that saying. would be a trip. Um, okay. Getting back on track here. It does feel like, I think the concerning part here is it does feel like we're moving backwards. Um, Because two weeks ago on Wednesday, he was out there. Now, he wasn't throwing. He was going through reps. So he would like, just as an example, you know, he would take a rep and then uh, he would take a rep and then he'd kind of fake throw, you know, like he wouldn't actually throw the ball. Then Thursday, we do see him throw on the far field, but not much. And then Friday, he throws two passes and is done. Um, so that was two weeks ago. Or what, a week ago? What was two that? Weeks two weeks ago, ago. right? we okay. were off last yes. week. Yes, okay. So that was two weeks ago. And then this week, Mary Kay, we're not even seeing him on the practice field. It almost feels like they've just resigned themselves to going full rehab here. They're not even going through the dog and pony show of let's send him out to practice. They're just going full rehab, which it's hard to to kind of see it this way and not feel like we've gone backwards from where we were before that Baltimore game. Yeah, and you know, I talked to an orthopedic surgeon yesterday, and he has not treated Deshaun Watson, um, but he has plenty of experience with bruised rotator cuffs, and he knows all about them. He actually works with, um, you know, the LA Galaxy. Now, of course, they don't use their arms all that much, (laughs) but uh, he's got extensive experience as an noted orthopedic surgeon in Los Angeles uh, with these kinds of things. And and he said that a bruised rotator cuff is a two to six week injury. And I'm like, oh my goodness, here we are thinking, oh yeah, he's going to be out there on Sunday against the 49ers. And maybe he will be. Because by Sunday, it will have been three weeks. But there is still something disconcerting, uh, I would think, for the team to not have him out there practicing today. If you're not out there on Wednesday, either you're doing a really good job of trying to throw off the 49ers, or your quarterback is is not trending in the right direction for starting this game on Sunday. And I, I just think, you know, they're, they're probably erring on the side of caution and letting him rest for another week or two, possibly. Well, and the problem with that is, like, if this is just gamesmanship, like, you're wasting first-team reps. Like, you're about to go against a 5-0 and team, maybe the best defense in football, 
and you're going to just play games with the 49ers and like not give your starter first team reps and what your game plan is this week. It's just, I mean, that would be a, a colossal mistake too. It's just, again, if after reading what Mary Kay wrote about the two to six weeks um, and just kind of going through what we went through before that Ravens game, it really just feels like this whole coaching staff, this whole team and Deshaun himself just underestimated exactly the severity of what this is. Cause you hear bruise, contusion, whatever you think, Oh, that's nothing. Right. But it just feels like everybody just underestimated this. At least that's, that's kind of how I feel right now, Ashley. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, you have to take into account the kind of quarterback Deshaun is, right? Like he's a mobile quarterback who's prone to taking hits. So if he gets hit the wrong way, that's going to make it worse. But also he's a guy who likes to look for the deep ball. And when you have an injury to your, your rotator cuff, and I talked about this yesterday, it makes it harder to keep your throwing motion the same because it hurts. Like, and I mean, you could even go through it sitting here. Like it's harder to hold the ball up higher. It takes more effort there in that shoulder and puts more strain on that shoulder. So as a result, a lot of times you'll see guys modify their throwing motion in some way, typically like dropping the ball, maybe not going back as far with it when they start the motion. And that can make you prone to underthrowing guys. So when, again, when I think they talk about not him not being able to drive the ball down the field, and when they kept using that phrase, um, Andrew Berry did too, after the Ravens game during the bye week, like that's, I think, what is kind of at stake here in terms of are we going to throw him out there? How can he effectively execute these throws? And, and how is he being held back with that? So I guess right now on Wednesday, and... There's still time, obviously, Mary Kay, but these weeks get short fast. So, I mean, what do you think the likelihood is that Sunday we show up at that stadium and and it turns out Deshaun is active and he's starting? You know what? I I wish I could accurately handicap that. Anything that I would say right now would be an absolute guess because I have no idea. And they're kind of going underground on this. Nobody will say anything. I mean, you can't get anything out of anybody in terms of handicapping what might happen on Sunday because they really got burned with what happened against the Ravens and they don't want to go through that again. They have been raked over the coals about how they handled that before, during, and after Dorian Thompson-Robinson starting against the Ravens. They don't want to uh, suffer that same fate again of just just kind of just getting lambasted. So um, I don't really know at this point my gut tells me if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say there's about a maybe 30% chance that Deshaun would play right now. That's what I would say. 30% chance, uh, not him not being out here on Wednesday. You know, I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to play in this game. Um, but again, I really don't have a great handle on it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 30% even feels a little, it feels like 30% with an arrow pointing down, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like this thing could just keep dropping as the week goes along. I just, I'd I'd probably say uh, 25, 30% Mm -hmm. because again, we could show up tomorrow. Maybe he's limited and he's out there throwing and it looks good, but it just, if he's not out there on Wednesday, it's tough. I mean, does that sound about right to you, Ashley? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking that too. And it's funny to even like see Vegas, the numbers shift. I haven't checked it in the last few hours, but I think on Monday the line was at like three or three and a half favoring the 49ers. And earlier today it was up to six and a half on DraftKings. So I think that's only going to rise, you know, the more uncertain this gets. And, And at a certain point, like it gets to be so late in the week and you have a quarterback who basically hasn't really thrown in 
two full weeks at that point. So how do you want to handle it? And I, I don't know. Like, it's tough. This is like the worst possible opponent on their schedule, I think, for this to happen to because the 49ers are just like one of the best teams in the league right now. And they totally just, I think, made Dak Prescott so ineffective. Everyone saw it on Sunday Night Football. He couldn't drive the ball down the field at all. They barely could hold on to the ball. The time of possession was like insane the disparity it was like they had it for 16 minutes I think so it's a really tough task and I don't know I don't feel very good right now sitting here on Wednesday evening about his chances of playing all right let's take a break and let's talk about the guy that might be playing on Sunday I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and lobby Mary Kate Cabot Ashley Bastock sitting outside the Browns facility here on a Wednesday evening uh okay So the Browns made a decision. Uh, We talked about it a little bit on our Wednesday pod, but Kevin Stefanski made it official today that P.J. Walker is the backup quarterback, meaning that if Deshaun Watson is unable to go, P.J. Walker would be elevated off the practice squad uh, and he would start on Sunday. Kevin wouldn't clarify if he would they'd sign him to the 53 or if he'd be a game day elevation. That's all just sort of housekeeping stuff. Um, Mary Kay, this felt like something they had to do because it was just so bad against Baltimore. They just had to make this move. Uh, but also, it's less than ideal that he, even though the guy has starting experience, it's less than ideal that you're reaching down to your practice squad to pull up somebody to start a game against the best defense in, or one of the best defenses in football. Yeah, here they are heading into uh, game five for them, and they are going to be starting potentially their third quarterback of the season. I mean, think about that, right? And to have to, as Dan mentioned, reach down to your practice squad and pull up a guy who has only been with you a little more than a month to go against the San Francisco 49ers. And Kyle Shanahan, are you kidding me? I mean, really? And I think it speaks to the fact that that the Browns didn't set up their roster properly. They just really did not. I mean, you cannot leave yourself that thin at backup quarterback and number three quarterback when it's such a high-stakes season. You can't do that. You've got to have somebody in the number two slot that can step in there and win football games for you. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if they just completely overestimated Dorian Thompson-Robinson's ability to go out there and function. And, like, I know it's, you know... He did a nice job in preseason, but it's preseason. It's against third and fourth teamers. I mean, you've really got to, like, think about this. So, um, you know, I I think that they just didn't do a a good enough job of making sure that they were set at that backup position. And now they're in this this spot where you you might have to start P.J. Walker against the 49ers. So I was thinking about this today. So, obviously, last season was a very different season, right? But one of the things they did was they went out and they signed Jacoby Brissett to be the backup quarterback, knowing he was going to have to start, right? You obviously knew going in he was going to have to start some games. Guess who the best quarterback was last season in preseason and training camp? It wasn't Jacoby Brissett. It was Josh Dobbs. But that didn't change their course of action. They didn't suddenly say, oh, let's have Josh Dobbs be the backup quarterback and have him be the starter. This year... They signed Josh Dobbs, right? And it's kind of like, well, he got outplayed by Dorian Thompson-Robinson, although they didn't really play Dobbs a lot in the preseason. And then they make the decision, let's make the big change and go with DTR. It's just, 
it's sort of a strange contrast. I know the situations were different because you knew your backup quarterback was going to have to start a lot of games for you, whether it was 4, 6, 11. You knew he was going to start a bunch of games. But it does feel like there was just a roster construction flaw here. I just think it all kind of goes back to that decision to trade Josh Dobbs. And I mean, it in hindsight, and I mean, even at the time, I'm like, wow, this is like a big move. And we talked about that. That was a big decision and a big gamble to take on DTR. And DTR clearly was not ready to go out there and face, you know, first teamers on a pretty good division opponent. And he talked about that a little bit today, which I thought was interesting. Like, he was pretty blunt about it. And, like, it's totally different when you're in the preseason and you're going up against guys who are fighting to make a team, who don't really kind of have that, you know, experience yet either, versus these veterans who don't play in the preseason. Like, it's so different going up against a, you know, sixth or seventh string edge rusher than it is going up against Jadavian Clowney. Like, it's a lot tougher of an assignment so I think that just goes back to like look Arizona's record's not great but Josh Dobbs has been playing pretty well and there is something with experience and that's basically the the reasoning Kevin Stefanski gave today for going with PJ Walker he has slightly more experience now that experience is seven games seven starts I should say um so it still isn't a lot but it's more than five weeks that DTR has yeah and look I'll admit I had questions about Dobbs as the backup if they maybe should have I've would have loved him to bring back Jacoby. I don't know if that was possible or if they wanted to spend that much money, but I, I felt like they were maybe neglecting that position a little. I didn't know if Dobbs was the right choice there. I certainly didn't think you want to go with a fifth-round rookie as, as your backup. So, I don't know. It just feels like this is scrambling a little bit. And, you know, P.J. Walker's not your normal practice squad quarterback, but he's obviously not a guy that a bunch of teams wanted to bring in and be their backup this year because he's here on the practice squad. So, it's just... You know, you hope that you can get a couple good games out of, you know, a game, hopefully just one game out of him and Deshaun can come back. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Mary Kay, they just left themselves in a tough spot. They really did. And, you know, I agree with you, Dan. I was not big on Joshua Dobbs as the number two either. I didn't think that he had enough of a track record or a resume to be the number two quarterback in the event that they had to start uh, their backup guy for six, seven, eight games. I really felt they needed someone uh, who had a veteran presence about him and who had won some football games and who had been through the wars because this is a high-stakes season. If you really think that you have a chance to go to the Super Bowl and this was it, this was the year uh, that they were and still are feeling that they're capable of that, you've, you've got to be set at that position. So I think they should have brought in like a Teddy Bridgewater or, you know, somebody else like that. Now, the thing with them is it's they want the they want to be able to have the crossover from one quarterback to the next. You don't want to have a Case Keenum necessarily behind um, Deshaun. So they really had to, uh, you know, try to find some guys and fill up the room uh, with guys that have crossover skills. But. I really thought that they needed to have a more experienced backup, and I'm pretty sure that I said that during pods and different things like that. I think I, I think I was vocal about that. I don't think this is just me saying, "Oh, well, they should have done this," you know. Um, but you know, now it's it's coming back to haunt them because if you had done this properly, then your quarterback would be your backup quarterback would be going out to try to win his second game this week is what should be happening, you know, and it's not, it's not anything like that. 
And if this goes on longer than this, or if he suffers some other kind of an injury, or if he has a concussion. And when you have a running quarterback, the risks are always high. And he always holds on to the ball a long time, to the last minute. And he gets sacked a ton. So the chances are high that there are going to be some things that happen along the way. And you've got to be solid and set at your backup spot. Okay, let's wrap up with this real quick. Um, just when we look at the, the guys that did not practice today, Joel Batonio, Miles Garrett, David Njoku, we mentioned Deshaun Watson. Seems like Miles Garrett, look, he seemed pretty happy in the locker room when we saw him today. Um, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, but Joel Batonio, again, this is one of those things where you're a little concerned, I think, because Mary Kay, we didn't see him in the locker room today. He's, he almost always at least pops in and out of the locker room. You know, sometimes he sticks around, sometimes he gets out of there, but he, you know, he's usually a Thursday guy when he talks. So we'll see what happens tomorrow if he's in there, if he talks. Um, that's another kind of thing to keep an eye on. But we also didn't see him out like on the bikes or anything. We didn't see him like he was conspicuously absent. Is that the right word? Conspicuously? Well, that is exactly. There we go. Yeah. That was the lead of my story, Dan. Oh, so look it's at funny that. that you should say that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I do think that it was odd because we always see Joel on a Wednesday, you know, just at his locker. And then if he's not practicing, he's getting a veteran day of rest and we see him outside. I mean, he's just around and we haven't seen him. We have not seen him since we saw him walk out. Since we were sitting in this exact spot. Right. Yeah. yeah, Where we are right now. So, um, you know, so I do think that something is up with Joel. Now, having said that, let's remember, Joel has started 102 consecutive games. That's the most by a Cleveland Brown since they came back, the second most, I'm sorry, the second most by a Cleveland Brown since they came back in 1999. So, Joel plays hurt. He's a gamer, he's a warrior, and he will be out there if he can be. But something seems really amiss here with Joel and then also we'll get into this too as we as we go along. But we have to talk about David too. I mean, yeah, that's something else that um, you know David Njoku was spotted in the locker room today with a mask on again, only his eyes showing. As I wrote, I, I posted a, an update on all the injuries, and I'm pretty sure that he has undergone some type of procedure on the burns on his face, and he's got a mask on to protect it, and therefore it's going to be hard to wear a helmet, maybe even harder than it was when he played against the Ravens, which you have to look back now at that and wonder, should he have really been playing 70% of the snaps coming off serious burns? Kevin Stefanski described the injury today as a serious injury. If you're describing that on Wednesday as a serious injury and then saying, we're going to see how this goes over the next few days, that means to me that he is in serious jeopardy of sitting out against the 49ers, and that's kind of huge. Yeah, again, just another guy like moving, it seems like it's moving backwards, right. uh, which would make sense if he did have a procedure or something. It would make sense that, right. that he would move backwards. But yeah, you do wonder, like, why was he out there for so many snaps in a game that turned into a blowout? Um, it's If you're going to second-guess something, that's another big thing to second-guess. Uh, but just that Joel stuff. I mean, this is the value of being here, right? And by the way, I'm surprised this picnic table is still here. <laughs> I thought for sure, like, Kevin would have this picnic table destroyed and, like, no more picnic tables outside for people to sit at. But, you know, even if even if he doesn't talk, even if he's not, even if he's just in and out, I can't think of a time when I've been in that locker room and not seen Joel. 
I know. I mean, right away, Dan, you and I were standing by his locker today. I think we couldn't get into AWOC or AWOC had just finished his little scrum. And that was the first thing I think I said to you is, well, I haven't seen Joel in here. So that's probably not good for his chances of practicing since that was before the pre-practice injury report came out. But yeah, I mean, something is definitely amiss there. And, and again, you know, it kind of goes back to they're withholding a lot about these injuries right now. You know, we tried to talk to Ethan Posick, who did make an appearance in the locker room today and did practice. And, you know, he basically said he didn't want to risk getting in trouble with the coaches by disclosing too much about the injuries he was dealing with. So I think that's kind of the messaging across the board right now. I think it's going to be really, really hard. Like Mary Kay was saying, you know, with Deshaun, it's, it's been really hard to get information. I think it's going to be like that with everyone, at least this week, but like probably carrying over through the rest of the season at this point. I think we're going to see guys real hesitant to talk about their availability in, in games or practices, especially early in the weeks. This would be a whole nother pod, but I just, it feels like everything has been buttoned up here over the last couple weeks, even yeah. before like the Deshaun stuff. It just mm-hmm. feels like everything's been buttoned up. I don't know. I don't know if that's good for this football team. If everybody's kind of walking on eggshells around well, us when we're in that locker room, I just feel like, you know, look, teams can do what they want. And if guys don't want to talk to us, it is what it is. But it just feels like if you're telling your players, you keep like, we're buttoning it, we're locking everything down, and you can't say a word about this or a word about that. I just feel like it creates a really bad environment for them. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, when you're losing, it makes the speculation and the guessing games that much stronger. And it's like, it almost just becomes like this palpable tension, like surrounding the team or anything, you know, any discussion about the team, I guess I should say, on Twitter, on social media, which, again, some guys see, some guys don't. But I do think it just almost becomes this, like, palpable X factor when the losses are also coming because it looks like, okay, what are they trying to hide? And the, the conspiracy theories kind of start to come out a little bit. Yeah, and it, like Mary Kate makes them think about something else. Like, I, I actually heard a little clip of a, an interview from Willie Colon, who played for the Steelers and the Jets. And he said when he went to the Jets, like, Rex Ryan was bringing up the media in meetings. And he kind of felt like that was a distraction. Like, when they're thinking about the media beyond just when we're there and when we're talking to them. It just creates a distraction. And so, I'd, I don't know, again, this is probably a whole nother pod, but I feel like, I just feel like it creates something that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, I think it also just shows that everyone's on edge. Everyone's yeah. on edge as they head into this game against the San Francisco 49ers. This is an undefeated football team. They are so solid from top to bottom. We just watched them crush the Dallas Cowboys. And it's going to be a very hard game for them to win. And the Browns know that there is a pretty decent chance that they're going to be 2-3 and three coming out of this game, especially if P.J. Walker has to start the football game. Uh, Kyle Shanahan will seize that moment uh, like there ain't nobody's business. And, uh, you know, even if Deshaun plays this game, after being out for almost three weeks, or being out for three weeks for the most part, uh, it's still going to be really tough. And I think what you're talking about is a sign that everybody is really tense. And that's just not the way that you want to be this early in the season. Right. It should be free and loose and, you know, every, everything is still in front of us. And, you know, you just don't want to be uptight. And there just is an air of tension going on around here. I'll just vibe check. Yes, survive check. I mean, look, I'll just never forget. I went to the Steelers facility leading up to the game 
the Miles Garrett rematch game after he hit Mason Rudolph in the helmet. Guys knew why I was there. They knew what I wanted to talk about. And I just got met with a smiling face. Every, every guy I went up and talked to, because they just didn't care. They weren't scared. They weren't thinking about it. It didn't matter to them. And I do think sometimes you just got to let go. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you have to tell us everything and guys have to give us all the dirt or, but right. like, just, just don't put it on guys' plates. Just let go and you'll be fine. I promise. Right. If you're good enough, those things don't matter. You know, you can say what you want. You can do what you want. You don't have to button everybody up so much. Let it rip. Okay, there we go. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you're not a football insider, go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page. Get signed up. Uh, get all that info. Um, also, subscribe to us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com there to find us. And look for Orange and Brown Talk on Instagram to follow us there. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody.